Welcome back to For the Girls. We're so excited to be here today for a Canada GP preview and also our special topic on the 24 hours of Le Mans race, which was this weekend with a very exciting outcome. So can't wait to get into that. We also did a giveaway for our patrons. Sam submitted a great idea. And also in our recaps, we're going to be bringing you some fun behind the scenes from our Discord channel. And we cannot believe it, but the next race after Canada is Austria, and we will be there. Woohoo! Cannot wait. <laughs> I'm not so excited. Only a few weeks away. With that, we will jump right in. I'm Sarah. I'm Chessa. And I'm Tiggy. So Canada, this is a true fan favorite. Canada has everything, amazing track, high-speed sections mixed with low-speed corners, the wall of champions, of course, in a huge crowd, like 350,000 huge. So drivers also love it here. It brings a ton. And as we've talked about in our newsreels and prior, Montreal has been less impacted air quality wise from the Quebec fires. So all is proceeding according to plan. I am super excited for this track. While we're not going over the summer for the race, I was there this winter cross-country skiing on the track. So we'll post pictures of that. Was on the crowd Instagram. also was the crowd also 350,000 350,000 people, 350, people watching me slowly <laughs> slowly round the bend. <laughs> but I do have some hilarious pictures of Latifi up because he's oh, Canadian. Yeah, Latifi down. and Stroll. I mean, I'm sure they've taken it down at this point, but he was proudly on oh display. God, could you imagine if Latifi <laughs> Sponsor all over this weekend's race. But speaking of other celebrity sightings, guys. Yeah, so and very topical <laughs> because Daniel Ricardo's first ever win was the Canadian Grand Prix in 2014. And we saw him this weekend. We're in the Insane. West Village, just wandering around, minding our own business, sitting down for a late lunch. And no, Sarah, we didn't Sarah, we didn't sit down. Sarah had reservations at the restaurant that he was at, but the table was not a good viewpoint. So I snagged a table at the restaurant next door. Plus it was more comfortable anyways. And we managed to have a whole meal within eyesight of Danny. And our friend who we were with, he kind of vaguely knows we have a podcast, but does not know anything about F1. So I immediately clocked like that's Daniel Ricardo and his girlfriend, of course. And he's totally oblivious. He's like, who is that? What's going on? But it was funny because we're, so many of you are messaging us like, oh, did you go say hi? Everything. But we're kind of huge believers and not interrupting people when they're just kind of trying to totally. go about their day. He had food in his teeth and people were like trying to get pictures and he was having to pick it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it was funny because you could see it was a decently – they were sitting right outside at Son Bros in West Village. It's a popular restaurant and it's a really kind of busy area, especially on a nice Saturday afternoon. So a ton of people were walking past and you could see a range of reactions from either people having no idea who he is or kind of clocking him – and continuing on or doing like a quick wave and continuing on. And then some people stopped, interrupted his lunch, like asked for selfies and stuff. And him and his girlfriend, Heidi, they were super good sports about it, smiling, laughing with everyone. But this one group <laughs> in particular, it was so bad. A girl had a full scale meltdown upon seeing it. One of you DM'd us saying, I would have had a meltdown. And we responded like, well, someone did have a meltdown. Well, she, she was clearly drunk and she was like walking with the group and they kind of like all left her. And then she stopped and she screamed, oh my God, you're Daniel Ricardo. 
like like so shocked and excited that she was like trying to get her phone out she was shaking she was like oh my god i'm shaking by this time now for two restaurants over anyone who hadn't known who he was immediately now there's (laughs) full two restaurants looking what's going on her friends came back and got her they kind of didn't really know who he was and she like they like kind of pulled her away and then she like fell in the street she was like oh so mater d was having to pull people away from the table yeah i feel like it was good evidence that he's definitely reached mainstream American <laughs> celebrity status. At least. One thing I will say about New York, though, is I feel like that's a reason so many celebrities love it is because the average New Yorker will take the approach of I clocked yes. you and I'm walking by and I'm going to let you enjoy your day and be respectful. Like, yeah, definitely. I feel like generally New Yorkers are pretty good about that. That's yeah, so I know. I felt kind of bad. They were getting, yeah, little food in his mouth getting interrupted, like just <laughs> trying to eat lunch. Oh, so Anyways. sweet. It was a, it was a very Daniel Ricardo outfit. He had on like very um, fashionable sunglasses. Yes. Um, so anyway. into the track <laughs> for the circuit. The track is named after one of the most famous Canadian drivers, Gilles Villeneuve. His son Jacques is also very famous and the only Canadian world champion. And Jacques Villeneuve, uh, Chesso, we met him in Mexico. We took a picture with him. That was was fun. (laughs) But Jill won the race here in 1978. He was a Ferrari driver for six years. He tragically passed away at the Belgian Grand Prix in 1982, and the track was renamed after that. So this track is four kilometers long, 70 laps. It's got lots of fun turns, some heavy braking zones, two ZR2. DRS zones and there's a very famous hairpin turn at turn 10 that leads into this really nice long speed trap straight so we'll have to watch for a lot of overtaking attempts here Um, and what's really cool is the drivers have to break super hard to get into this hairpin they experience almost six g's of force so they go from 210 miles an hour to 85 miles an hour in a little over a second and for reference I think Sarah when you were in your hot lap car you were going from like 40 (laughs) to 160 in like 20 seconds. So um, maybe not 20, maybe like 10, but really, really big impact for these guys. Um, And of course there is the iconic wall of champions that Tiggy mentioned. This is at the end of the circuit. Basically it's a turn 14 and five world champions have managed to crash their cars into the wall at the end of this lap. So um, this will be a tricky section to look out for as well. In terms of last year's race, it was Pretty exciting for quality. We had Verstappen on pole, and Alonso was in a shocking P2. And this is back when he was not <laughs> in a particularly fast car. And Sainz was in P3. This was Alonso's first front row appearance since 2012. And Hamilton also got his first top four start of the season. And some other notable appearances. Charles was 19th, and Checo started 13th. This track is kind of a fan favorite also for providing exciting racing so hopefully it stays true to that this weekend for the race last year max got his fifth one of the season even though there was a late safety car that had him go neck and neck with science lewis also had a great race he took his second podium of the season in p3 and checo had his second dnf of the season this is back when the red bull had reliability issues throwback (laughs) did that ever happen was that all a dream (laughs) Russell was P4 and Leclerc was P5, which was an amazing drive from P19. So a strong recovery there. 
For the teams, this Red Bull, this feels like a make-or-break race for Checo after falling almost 50 points behind Max in the last three races, so he's got some stuff to prove. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think there's any chance that he's in contention for the championship anymore, so hopefully now he can just like chill out and just try to stay consistent. That sounds very Helmet Marco of you. (laughs) I mean, I I am maybe quoting from like uh, Christian Horner, which we talked about last week in our Barcelona recap, where he was like, Checo has no pressure. Like, you should just chill out now, but I don't know. I told this to Sarah over the weekend. Max really is a league of his own these days, and um, I think yeah. Checo could be, should be happy to, like, solidify and try to solidify a P2 position for the championship this year. Yeah, I think nothing's over until it's over, but I do feel like that's the way it's looking, unfortunately. I think it's over, but I've always kind of been of the perspective that he was never really a title contender. Sorry, Cheese. Yeah, but <laughs> we generated some heat. It was crazy when Spanners was on. One of his hot takes was that Red Bull likes to develop the car away from Checo and towards Max. And that explains why Checo's stronger at the start of the season. And we got some some heated – people did not like that hot take <laughs> from Spanners. People were saying like, oh, that's such a Red Bull conspiracy theory. So I do agree. I think that Red Bull – I don't think they kind of develop the car in any one particular direction. I just think Max is Max will come in and perform even when the deck is stacked against him, even when, say, he messed up in quality. He'll drive from P15 to podium just yeah. without a doubt in that car. And I think that's something that Checo just doesn't deliver on in the same way Max does. But we'll I see agree on talent. Like, Max can get into anything and do super well. But I also – I don't know if it's – I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit more of the camp that Red Bull definitely favors Max in a lot of different aspects, and that could be one of them. It's just a good business decision and practice, and like, I don't know. But I'm loving this Discord, girl. <laughs> uh, to wrap up, Red Bull. If Red Bull wins this weekend, they'll also be joining Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, and Williams in the 100 Win Club, which is basically just like. The team itself has won 100 races, and that would be another nice winning stat that they could tuck under their belt. Wow. (laughs) It's kind of surprising that they're not there yet, actually. That's wild. Yeah, they just don't have as much of like – I mean, like Williams, I was shocked, but they do have such a legacy as an F1 team, so they have time on their side. pretty iconic. So Red Bull as an organization has less wins than Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was shocked too, but if you think about it, like – Drivers tend to do like a lot of drivers aren't just staying at a team for a really long time unless I mean Lewis is a good example of as of late. But anyways, let's jump to Ferrari. Who wants to take Ferrari? Well, they had a quite the big week. They were coming off a Le Mans win last weekend, which we'll talk about in a bit. Let's hope that winning energy translates to the F1 team. I saw a really funny meme. Memes. Oh my god. It was so bad. It was like um Charles and Carlos, when they see that a, a different fire organization is able to handle a 24-hour race flawlessly and win. <laughs> I've seen Charles? I've seen a lot of the ones that are like the big muscular dog, like Ferrari okay. at Le Mans, and then the tiny little scrawny dog Ferrari at a normal F1 race. It sucks because Charles was at Le Mans and yeah. was probably just like, whoa. So frustrated. <laughs> Another beautifully executed pit stop. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, they um, they had upgrades in Barcelona that did not translate. Less than ideal weekend for them. So they really need to perform, a.k.a. just be a little bit more consistent um, because they need to close the gap to Aston Martin for P3 in Constructors. They're only 34 points away. Um, Carlos in interviews this week said he's going for the podium. So got to love the big aspirations. Um, and yeah, and also in some culture news for Ferrari and Canada, they teamed up with the Canadian fashion brand 
sense. I think it's capital S, capital S. How how do you say it, Siggy? Essence. I think it's like a play on the word essence. Perfect. I'm so bad at that. So (laughs) essence. They're doing a -a one-of-a-kind immersive installation. It's going to be really cool. So if you guys are in and around Canada at the GP this weekend, definitely check it out. For Mercedes, will they be able to back up their Spain performance? The upgrades definitely carried them to a really great double podium finish, but Canada will be challenging. It is a bit of a different track. Got to see the consistency, which is something Mercedes has struggled with. So their big goal from here on out is to solidify their P2 position, stay ahead of Ferrari, Aston Martin, all the teams who are fighting for second. In some Mercedes news, so George has rumoredly signed a Mercedes contract extension through the 2025 season. The big question is what's taking so long with Hamilton? He mentioned at the Monaco GP that he'd be meeting with Toto right after the race to get something done, but it's been crickets since. There's a chance they could just be timing the news strategically. It's all settled or they're still hashing out details, but the people, i.e., I need to know (laughs) Lewis's contract is up at the end of the year and it will definitely be asked about in press conferences this weekend. So we'll see. I think they'll announce it before the weekend, try to take some of the news off of that and then just like have a celebratory press moment. Well, when we get to my hot takes, I'll tell you my theory. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. I think it's probably a strategic move or when Spanners joked about them just kind of figuring out who gets the hat merch revenue. I, (laughs) I think Lewis has so much bargaining power that I feel very confident that he's locked in and I'm sure it's just kind of the fine print figuring out the deal with the team, which George is not quite of that stature yet to be demanding the hat merch revenue. (laughs) (laughs) For Alpine, it looks like they could be reestablishing themselves as the best of the rest after a bit of a better weekend in Barcelona where Gasly has best quality performance of the year. They are fifth in constructors, but 60 points behind Ferrari, so bit of a ways to go, but definitely maybe looking like strong midfield contenders right now. I'm excited for Alpine. I think, I don't know, they feel like they're on to something. Also, I don't know if anyone watched Roland Garros on Sunday, but Pierre and Ocon were prominently displayed in many photos at the tournament, which is very exciting. <laughs> a little weird that about, again, about kind of team harmony. Why were they sitting like one row? Yeah. Apart? I guess they just didn't <laughs> go together, but we're in the same section. <laughs> yeah. Also, that picture that the Roland Garros account posted, like I only clocked Pierre in that for a very long time. And then finally I was like, oh, Ocon's behind him. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> For McLaren, so they're, the team is working really hard behind the scenes to bring upgrades, improve the car, just the overall trajectory of what they hope to achieve this season. As we saw in Spain, even with both drivers having a good quality in the top 10, they just cannot hold on during the race. I just don't think the car is competitive enough for any kind of solid wheel-to-wheel action with people that we're seeing at the top of the top of the field. So we'll have to see what they can get out of the car this weekend in the meantime before they bring any major upgrades. Lando's in New York this week, so hopefully he's got some nice New York energy to bring to Canada. From the Empire State Building. (laughs) I know. I hope he did something more fun than just the Empire State Building. (laughs) I'm sure he did. (laughs) For Alfa Romeo, so the big news here is that James Key was announced as the new technical director starting in September. 
So as a reminder, Alfa Romeo is part of Sauber. So he actually used to work at Sauber over a decade ago. So he's kind of returning to familiar territory. And it's particularly interesting because Andreas Seidel, who's the former team principal of McLaren, who Key worked closely with over the last several years of McLaren, he just started as the CEO of Sauber this year to help get the team ready for the 2026 Audi partnership. So he, Key, departed the departed McLaren during their technical restructure, which kind of indicated, I think, that Zach Brown and the new team principal, Andrea Stella, maybe did not share the same view of his performance as Seidel does. So it's a big role for him at Alfa Romeo as they prepare for 2026. He'll have, I think, about two and a half years to spin up a team, define the new car concept, all of that, get ready for Audi's entry. So uh, Andrea Seidel must have a lot of confidence in him. I cannot wait to see how this plays out. That's really cool. For Alpha Tauri, Yuki has mentioned the past two weekends that he's been having some issues with his brakes, having efficiency problems, not being able to warm them up. This was exacerbated by rainy conditions. There's a slight chance of rain this weekend, so hopefully no curveballs for them because Yuki has been driving amazingly. He was so sad after he got that five-second penalty in Barcelona, which yeah. a lot of people really thought was not deserved. So hopefully – Good energy for him this weekend. There is a bit of drama around the team this week, though, after team principal Franz Toast made some comments about Mick Schumacher and how he was actually his first choice for Gasly's seat and not mm. DeVries. So sad because, as we all know, I had wanted that to happen so badly. But Toast was overturned by the Red Bull machine. We know how things played out. But Mick's been getting a ton of praise recently. Apparently, he's been putting in a ton of work in the Mercedes simulator. The team's been really – the team in both Russell and Hamilton have been really going out of their way to praise him. So at least things are going well for Mick right now. Happy yeah, so for Mick, but also like question mark around why Franz Toast feels the need to make comments. It kind of feels like a told you so after the fact moment. Like, yeah, also so probably right. makes DeVries yeah. feel yeah. pretty crappy given that this is his team principal. I mean, not for long, but – the reason already <laughs> must feel horrible. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Insult to injury. Um, so Haas, they had a no points weekend in Barcelona. Nico did have some good pace at Quali. Um, so maybe with a good starting position this weekend and a little bit of luck, they could pick up a few more points. Just general notes of optimism for Haas, which is, <laughs> I guess, my favorite team. Since we did the rapid fire and it just came out. Um, it's burnt into video <laughs> forever, Chessa. <laughs> For Aston Martin, so like we said when we were talking about Mercedes with Ferrari and Mercedes kind of reaping the benefits of their upgrades, looking strong in Barcelona or stronger, at least in Ferrari's case, there are a lot of questions around whether Aston Martin can keep up in the development race throughout the season. They're definitely less practiced with kind of being at the top, staying at the top. So they'll be bringing a big upgrade package this weekend. They seem pretty bullish about it, so we'll see how they perform at this track. Could this maybe be what Alonso needs to close the gap to Checo for second? He's only 18 points behind at this point. So we'll see. After Alonso's last race, the worst yeah. of the season, I'm hoping he bounces back a bit. <laughs> if we assume that Max has run away with the championship, then effectively it'll just be a season-long battle in, for Alonso and Checo to take P2. And like that to me would be so fun. And I think that's the entertainment that we're going to need. Two very great characters on and off the track. Williams. So historically, Williams actually looked pretty competitive on their straight line speed. Um, so this track could maybe slightly favor them giving, given the long speed trap that we have. Albon's been looking really strong in the past few races, been putting in some good times in quality. So 
this could be a good opportunity for them to pick up a point as well. Very excited. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop there. Seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. Okay, hot takes and predictions. Who's going to go? I'll come in hot. Hamilton win. I'm finally going to back him so for this. <laughs> He's coming back. I I mean, Max is definitely in a faster car, but I'm just going to say while the champions maybe, you know, has a little talk with Max this weekend and, <laughs> and <laughs> Hamilton comes in hot. And then my theory is if Hamilton wins or performs well this weekend, they'll announce his contract off the back of that. I think they'll probably want another like good race of consistency, good vibes, like upgrades are going in the right direction. We're back, baby. And then boom, Hamilton's locked in for a multi-year contract. <laughs> I love that. Wow. How about you, Cheese? I'm going to say um, Max will be on podium, but also um, – wait, so that's not even my That's hot not I'm hot. Just, <laughs> I'm just trying to think through the order here, but my hot take is that we are going to have signs on podium. He is going out to the media saying he's going to be on podium. I want to see it happen. A little bit of good luck for Ferrari. And, I, and you know what? I'll put Alonso on there with him as well. Two Spaniards on podium. Okay. No Sarah? Mercedes. Wow. All right, I'm also going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Leclerc wins. Ooh, <laughs> hot. He's, come, so he's got some of that Le Mans energy. Laughter. Yeah. Well, if it happens, Sarah, we'll personally find a way to tell him that it was all you. I feel like he's going to come in fiery, fresh off watching this Le Mans weekend of a different – the Ferrari hypercar team just – doing amazingly, executing a 24-hour <laughs> race. I feel like he's going to come in ready to fight. And I'm just so sad about how few points he has this season. Yeah. It's just tough. So I feel like hopefully there'll be a big moment where to really help with morale over at Ferrari, I'm sure. Ugh, I, I'm hoping that that plays out for you and for us and for everyone and for okay, all so let's, let's let's mix it up. Let's <laughs> say we're going to have Hamilton, Sainz, and Leclerc on podium. That'll be our collective hot take. Goodbye, Red Bull. <laughs> and what's the collective hot. hot take on what happens to both Red Bull drivers? No, we're not. Wall of champions for Max. <laughs> Checo just puts it in the wall in quality or starts. Checo just doesn't <laughs> drive fast enough. So yeah. Takes a break. 
All right. <laughs> um, so quick news. As Tiggy mentioned, there have been the fires in Quebec. If you guys are living in the Northeast like us, you've definitely experienced the smoke from these incredibly strong wildfires making their way south. The pollution that descended upon the city last week was just apocalyptic. Race organizers and local government have reported that despite the fires, the event is not at risk. So the show will go on and... Um, yeah, we're happy about it. Not happy about the fires, but happy that the show will go on given that the race in Imola had to be canceled for those really horrific um, flooding events. So yeah, it's just another example of global warming, climate change effects having hit, hitting really close to home for F1 and these race locations. There are something like, like almost over 400 fires and yeah, it's really horrible. New York City hit the top of the most polluted cities list on in the Tuesday. World. It was that wild. Week in the world. So pretty crazy. Our apartments all just smelled like bonfires. It was coming inside. It was wild. Yeah. People were leaving work. School was canceled. The whole thing. In other news, in very bright news, F1 Academy has launched Discover Your Drive. Uh, it's a program and a global initiative with the goal of increasing the female talent pool in motorsport, both on and off track. The program will have entry-level programs, professional education for girls and young women to increase participation in the sport. And a big focus on that early is going to get the UK girls into karting. So it's trying to build that pipeline. That's for the on-track part, but also off the track as well. The program will kick off this year with six events in the UK with the goal of expanding to 38 in 2024. And of course, hosting events and activations globally, which is super exciting. And it is helmed by none other than Susie Wolf. So we expect great things. (laughs) She made a comment about it real quick. That was so nice. It was kind of like, Obviously, we just want to get people in the door. This will be a great opportunity to get your foot in the door and just for young girls to like pick up their heads, look around and be like, okay, do I want to be a driver or do I want to be an engineer and just be able to meet them all where they're at. So very happy about that. Super exciting. In other happy news, Daniel Ricardo and Will Arnett, basically a dream team, are teaming up to offer alternate commentary and race coverage. So it will be broadcast on ESPN2 starting this weekend, and then we'll have a limited run with broadcasts also set for the Austin and Vegas GPs. This is going to be so entertaining. And my friend at work, Eve, actually was talking last week about how sports could do such a better job of catering to different audiences by kind of having these more specialized broadcasts. And this is such a good example. I'm thinking like Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart, Olympics <laughs> coverage with the horses. That made it thrilling. Like people normally aren't that into dressage and the horses jumping around, but it made it so fun. And I can imagine for a lot of new <laughs> F1 fans who are fans of Daniel Ricardo and Will Arnett and maybe don't kind of want the full coverage, this would be so fun. Or who knows? It's maybe I'll awesome. just come in with a wildly technical <laughs> coverage piece. We'll see. But I Will Arnett more on the entertaining side. It will definitely be entertaining. I mean, they're both hilarious. For those who don't know, Will Arnett is the co-host of the podcast Smartless, and they actually had Danny Ricardo on that podcast, I think a year or two ago. Definitely listen to that episode if you haven't. I am a huge Smartless fan, and Will Arnett also has a Formula One podcast. So he's like very much in and around the sport. He knows what he's talking about, and I think it's going to be incredible. 
Chess and yeah, I have for- been watching the uh, Smartless HBO special. It's I so actually good. went to that tour live, so I'm like reliving all of it right now. <laughs> for anyone who is in our For the Girls Sunday group chat with Patreon, um, we will definitely be in there ta- talking about all the highlights of the broadcast. So it'll be it'll be <laughs> funny. Um, Okay, so now we're going to jump into our special topic. We've been mentioning this throughout, but Le Mans was over the weekend, and we thought we'd give you guys a breakdown of basically what is one of the biggest motorsport motorsport weekends in the world. Um, for those of you that don't know, Le Mans is a very prestigious race. It's part of the famous Triple Crown along with Monaco and the Indy 500, which also just happened a few weeks ago, and this was Le Mans' centenary weekend. So it started in 1923, making this its 100th year of the race. Very exciting and very historical. Yeah, it's super fun. It's an endurance race held every year near Le Mans, France. So that's what it's named after. It's where teams of drivers compete to cover the greatest amount of distance they can in 24 hours. So really an endurance sport. The track is about eight and a half miles long. It's a combination of official racetrack, public roads that are obviously shut down for the race. And the top speeds on the cars are upwards of 220 miles per hour, which is wild. And each team rotates through three drivers during the race, and no driver can be behind the wheel uh, for more than 14 hours total. So drivers switch out during pit stops, which is pretty crazy. So Super crazy. Cool. People like, hopping in and out during pit stops. They're refueling, <laughs> adding new tires, and people are coming in and out of the car. It's awesome. So cool. And the race is so interesting because unlike other races and the F1 races we're used to, which focus on speed, this race has to balance speed with reliability and even fuel efficiency since cars need to spend as little amount of time as possible in the pits. And of course, since the race is so long, there's a huge component of strategy, teamwork, raw driving skill. I love the teammate component here. It's super interesting that you need several different drivers. Nowadays, the cars cover over 5,000 kilometers in a single race, which is six times the length of the Indy 500 and around 18 times the length of an F1 race. Wow. 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 Yeah. And so, yeah, I love that they're like balancing all these things. Obviously in F1, you're balancing speed and reliability and all of these things, but because it's exacerbated over a 24 hour period, the fact that Ferrari won, which we will talk about, um, won a race that's focused on reliability and strategy is awesome. (laughs) So cool. Unlike F1, there are a lot of different kinds of cars that compete in Le Mans. So they're grouped in classes, which are basically groups of cars with similar specs. There are two main classes, the prototypes and the grand touring cars, which are a little bit more akin to road sports cars. And the subclasses have sort of evolved over the years, but this year's race included the following categories. So the top class of car this year is the hypercar, and it contains two types of cars, the LMH and the LMDH. And these cars are special prototypes based on road sports cars. They also feature hybrid and non-hybrid cars, which I think is cool. Then there is the Le Mans Prototype 2 or the LMP2. It's a closed cockpit car for teams that are independent of manufacturers or engine suppliers. And there are four constructors in that category. And then the last is the LMGTE or the Le Mans Grand Touring Endurance Car. And these cars are the closest to road cars and the category includes both professional and amateur driver teams. So it's cool. They have a lot of different types of cars, a lot of different types of teams, varying levels of competition, which is pretty awesome. 
So for this year's race, like we've mentioned, it was an epic time for Ferrari. This is this is their first year back at Le Mans after almost 50 years, and they did not disappoint. Um, people are kind of saying this is sort of like the Ford versus Ferrari movie. If people didn't see that, it's basically Ford spending all this time and money and organizational development to try to enter Le Mans and overturn Ferrari. Obviously, in this case, it was Ferrari coming in after a long time away and trying to beat out the Toyota teams, which have actually won five years in a row. So Ferrari entered two teams in the hypercar category. The 499P hypercar was driven by Alessandro Guidi, James Calado, and Antonio Giovanazzi. They took the win, and then their other team placed fifth. So it was really exciting for them. A lot of energy coming in um, for Ferrari, and hopefully that'll translate really well. But Le Mans was really awesome, and hopefully next year or at some point we'll get to go and see it. It's, it sounds really awesome. I love Giovinazzi having his comeback moment. Yes. I'm so excited for him. <laughs> That's awesome. And we have been hearing that I guess they occasionally get matching tattoos when they win or something. Is that is that a fair <laughs> Yes, every comment? Le Mans winner has a tattoo on their back, So, and I think it's all the same tattoo. It's so funny. <laughs> With that, thank you, everybody. We are so excited for Canada. And then the week after, like we mentioned, will be Austria, which we will be at in full force. So we're so excited. And thank you, as always, to everyone who has been rating our show on Spotify and Apple. It definitely goes a long way and is really nice and supportive. So thank you for that. We will chat to you after Canada.